Wayne's my uncle. Does anybody know that? You probably know. I talk about it all the time. You know, Janice knows. That's so funny. He's a good uncle, though. All right. Well, good morning. We're still mingling. That's okay. You guys just keep mingling. We're having a great time. I just feel like we've eaten so much word already this morning. Amen? So good. Well, Father, this morning, uh, I ask that you would just continue to move, continue to release the word of heaven for this hour. Um, We know that today is the day of salvation. We thank you for uh, what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Um, We thank you that um, that your kingdom is advancing um, in our lives and in areas that, uh, like Kelly was sharing, just places where we've needed breakthrough for a long time, you're bringing breakthrough. And we thank you for the opportunity to step into those places of freedom. And, uh, and that word Richard shared about victory in the next seven days, um, Lord, we're believing for victory in every area, in so many places and uh, just, just do a little activation this morning. Just keep your eyes closed. Just ask the Lord, what area do you want to bring victory in my life this week? Just take a minute. Let him speak to you. What area do you want to bring victory in my life? Yeah, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, we just lose heaven right now. And we bind the enemy. We bind his influence. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, where do you want to bring victory this week? Mm, where do you want to bring victory? Yeah, and so we ask for that, Father. We ask that you would bring victory in that area, whatever area the Lord spoke to you about in that area, and we declare the Lord is bringing victory in that area, in that place, in that place where we need a breakthrough, in that place where we need to see the Lord manifest himself as strong, in Jesus' name, amen, yeah, (laughs) so good. Yeah, he's going to do it. He's the strong one. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. There you are. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, man, you got me all fired up this morning. Got me all fired up. Well, we've been speaking about um, the Great Commission, evangelism, and discipleship uh, in this, this month. And Steve shared last week on the call to go and make disciples. Um, He quoted a 19th century missionary, a famous missionary uh, to China, Hudson Taylor. Anybody anybody ever read his biography? It's great, great Hudson Taylor, great, awesome guy. Um, He made this statement, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it's a command to be obeyed. And this call to make disciples, uh, it's a powerful call. And sometimes we read through scripture and we see these commands where the Lord calls us to step into something. Um, But there are a lot of principles and revelations the Lord wants to give us and truths that he wants to put in us that help us to walk that calling out and to make that a value in our lives. Does that make sense? And sometimes whenever we we see a command, 
Um, there's, there's this book I read in college called A Dangerous Duty of Delight. Anybody ever, anybody ever read that? This little book changed my life. It was, it was just amazing. It's by um, John Piper. John Piper. What a fiery guy. He's a, this little bitty, little short man. He's a little, little Baptist preacher. But anyways, he wrote this book called Dangerous Duty of Delight. And, and it was basically this principle of, of living from a place of passion versus living from a place of just, I'm supposed to do this. And sometimes we'll get a call, like, go and make disciples or go and do evangelism, right? Because, you know, it's like where the rubber meets the road. And that command can become a duty in our lives where we go out and we practice it sometimes, but it doesn't become a lifestyle because we haven't understood what the Lord wants to teach us about the value of it, right? The value of, you know, there, there's kind of like four main areas. There's, there's who God is in it. There's the, the gospel itself that we're sharing. There's the people that we're reaching out to. And then there's us, like how it's transformed us. And if we don't understand the value of those things, then the command actually becomes a burden instead of a delight. Right, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I want to talk for a few minutes. I'm actually going to um, going to have the ushers here in a little bit. I only got like 28 minutes, so I knew it was going to be short this morning, though. I just felt like the Lord told me that yesterday. I was preparing, and I was like, oh, there's like a hundred things, you know, I could share on, and the Lord's like, just don't, just take a chill pill, you know. You know, you make your notes, that's fine, but you're only going to get to share a little bit, so I was like, okay, okay. So that's good, so here we are. But I'm going to be um, having the ushers pass out some treasure maps um, here in a little bit because I want you guys to go with us today on a little treasure hunt for some lost people, amen, some people that we can minister to and love on. Some of them will be believers. But I want to lay a little bit of a foundation before we go um, because I've found in my life if I don't have this foundation for a value for evangelism, then I won't end up sustaining doing it, right? It'll just be a command I do, and then it's kind of like I turn on my, my clock, and then I get done doing it, and I turn it off, and then, well, I did that. I can check the box for the day, right? But the Lord wants to make it a lifestyle. All right, so we have these um, misunderstandings about truths. Uh, an example, evangelism, um, which really comes back to the gospel, and sometimes it comes from misunderstanding Scripture, right? We'll read something, and, and you know, it could be just be a misinterpretation or, or taught wrongly. You know, I have a, a little funny example here. Um, but in, in the King James Version, so I, I grew up Baptist, like, you know, King James Version only, right? We were, we were, like, hardcore. And I had a really big, fat King James study Bible. So it was funny, in college, my roommates... They, they uh, you know, I'm in Bible school, right? But I had these roommates that didn't come from a church background. And one of them, one of, or two, two of them were in the living room with me one day, and they were trying to read the King James Version. And they're like, I just can't understand the words, you know? And, and I, you know, I grew up reading the King James. So I had to in, translate for them what it was saying into modern English so they could understand what it meant. <laughs> and it just dawned on me that moment, oh, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe I ought to look into some other translations too, you know? <laughs> like, golly, this is, this is kind of hard to read. Like, I got it, you know? Thee thou, you know, doest, I got all that stuff. So anyways, so funny. 
But I love the King James. Uh, New King James is great, too. Uh, but anyways, uh, one of the King James um, verses, I just want to read this. And this one always confused me growing up. And so, you know, you read something in Scripture, and then if you just take it at face value without digging in and seeking the Holy Spirit on it, sometimes we come up with values for things that, that the Lord didn't even say. Right? And so this is one of those spots, King James. Uh, it was translated uh, using classical Greek interpretation, um, but actually the New Testament, they didn't know it at the time, but it was written in Koine Greek, which was a different dialect. And so one of the words in there, the word for, um, for hate um, in classical Greek was mizio. And in, um, in Koine Greek, uh, the word for that same word mizio didn't mean hate, but it meant to... Um, let me see, I got the definition here. It meant to, um, oh, where did I write it? It meant to prefer above, right? Slightly different translation. <laughs> to prefer above, to hate, right? And so I remember the first time I read um, Matthew 6, where, where uh, actually, uh, I got Luke 14 here, but um, where Jesus said in, he said to his followers, if many man, any man comes to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yes, his own life, right? Like hates it. If he doesn't hate all those things, he cannot be my disciple. And the Greek words actually prefer above, right? If, if you don't prefer me above all of these things, then you're not my disciple, right? But growing up, I... I took on this sense, this feeling that I had to be like depressed about my life because I needed to be excited about the gospel, right? And you see these, these, little, these little value system built from a misinterpretation of scripture, which then ends up becoming this uh, stronghold in your life of an unhealthy lifestyle, right? And so it's just a, you know, it's just a, you know, there's, probably a hundred different examples of this uh, where we've taken scripture and we've, you know, just misunderstood it. And then we've utilized that to create a poor theology about how we're supposed to live. And I, I was just, Christy and I were just listening to uh, some Dan Moeller this morning. And um, that guy just really helped me uh, get a new understanding and mindset around my identity in Christ. And it's so funny watching him teach uh, in, in um, churches because uh, we, we've had such a, um, the, the word the Lord spoke to me about, like the key word the Lord spoke to me about for this morning, uh, and then just something he's doing in my life right now, is that there's such a performance mentality in, in Christianity, right? There's this massive performance, and it's not that performance is bad, it's just that it's not the place we start, Right? Like, our character isn't built from performance. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for sharing that. Our character is not built from performance. We don't strive harder to gain character, right? We get transformed by the gospel. Right? We, we receive a new identity. It transforms the way that we see God, the way that we see ourselves, and then the way that we see others. And then from that place, we no longer live under this constant sense of condemnation, right? This constant sense of guilt, right? Guilt says that I'm the one that did it. Condemnation says I'm the one that deserves the punishment for it, right? And shame says that I'm going to be remembered by it, 
right? Or that's how I see myself. But we're not called to live under those things. We're called to live above those things. But if you're living from a performance mentality, then, you know, we go out and we take a treasure map and, and maybe you chicken out today and you don't fill yours out, right? Or maybe you fill it out and then you don't find anybody. And we have this fear that I'm going to mess up. I'm going to not do it right. I'm not going to measure up to all that God called me to be. When all he's doing is he's inviting us into relationship and then he asks us to let the Holy Spirit do the transforming work. Now, we have to agree with it, right? But that's called being a Christian. That's called saying yes and amen to his promises, saying yes and amen to the salvation he offers. It's not, okay, well, I accepted Christ. Now I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so now I just have to, you know, do everything I can to get it right and try not to mess up too badly so that I'll, you know, so that I'll make it. It's that performance mentality that actually, that value system that, that we've built in our Christian culture that we've taught from our pulpits, right? I'm not saying like here, but that it's, you know, something that's commonly taught in our pulpits in this country and probably around the world. And we live in that place of performance. And then, of course, our performance is never good enough. You know, Jesus set the bar so stinking high, Right? I mean, the, the Jews had 613 laws, right? 613. Try to memorize 613 laws, right? And if you break one of them, then you're guilty. So the Pharisees come along, and they're like, oh, we're going to add some laws around these laws. So it's like there's a, like there's a do not cross zone. You know, my my um, Hebrew, Hebrew teacher in college, he said, you know, take like a fence, and you put all the laws in there. You're not allowed to go into this little area. It's forbidden. But just to be safe that we don't, we're going to add another fence around it that's even bigger. So that way you might accidentally cross that one, but you won't cross the next one. If you cross that one, we're going to slap your hand. But don't cross the, you know. So the, the Jews tried to build this system where they wouldn't accidentally break the law, right? And then they had to come up with all these crazy rules. Like even... Well, one of the rules was like you could only go so many, you could only walk, like one of their extra laws to make sure you didn't break the Sabbath. You broke the Sabbath, that's a big deal. So they would say, okay, well, you're only allowed to walk so many steps a day away from your house. Right? I can't remember how many steps it was. It was like 100 steps or 50 steps or something. Well, they got to go like, you know, out and get water or, you know, do something like that. So what do we do? What, what's the nature of man do in that situation? Well, we try to bend the rules because we want to perform because it's a, it's a command and we want to obey it so we make it into a duty instead of a delight like the Sabbath was supposed to be about a time of rest with the Lord, not about how many steps I could go from my house. So what they would do is they'd, they'd take a stone from their house and they would go out however many allotted steps and then they would set that down and they go, well, I'm from here. This is technically my house. Right, because I carried it over here. So now from here, I can make it over to that, you know, spot over there I wanted to go to. And they would come up with ways to bend the rules so, so that they could be righteous. And yet we laugh about it. It's funny, but we still do it all the time. Like, we do it all the time. We're like, oh, you know, I'll wake up. And I didn't get my Devo in this morning, and I'm just, you know, feeling like a sinner. You know, or, or you know, I passed by somebody that you know, that was sick, and I didn't pray for them. 
right? And we come up with all of these, you know, somebody, I needed to share the gospel with this person. I didn't do it. And then we feel this condemnation, and then we live under that condemnation, which keeps us from actually delighting in the Lord and what he wants to do in our lives. It's a performance mentality. And the Lord wants to break that off of us. Because we'll never truly have a gospel that's powerful without it being based on grace. That's not even the gospel. All right. So I have 17 minutes, so let me just scooch around here for a second. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, talking about our perspective, right? So if you have a value of, okay, Scripture says I, wanna, I, need to, I need to, you know, evangelize and make disciples. And yet my other value over here, which is, which is unhealthy, is but I have to do it through performance, right? You put those two things together and you get an unhealthy value system, right? So Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So he's saying that, that if you're not seeing properly, and then you think that you are seeing properly, then that darkness is the worst kind of darkness you can be in. That's deception, right? So like we, we, can, we can recognize like, okay, I, I don't understand this. Or we can understand it. But to think we understand it and then to act like we understand it when we don't, that's the hardest place to get free from. And that's where we find ourselves whenever we live from this place of a performance-based gospel. Where we're trying to make things happen and do things that the Lord never asked us to do and make happen. You know, it's by grace we're saved through faith. It's by grace we're saved through faith. It's the power of the gospel in us. And then from that, we get to share the love of Christ. You know, Dan Muller, he, I'm, I'm going to pull a little thing he said this morning. I was listening to but he, he says that, you know, we're not sinners saved by grace. We're lost sons and daughters. Oh, that's my alarm. That's saying, pass out some treasure maps. Can you guys pass those out for me, ushers here, just when you get a chance? I want to make sure I didn't miss getting those out before I get there. But... We're not just sinners saved by grace. We're righteous and redeemed when we receive grace. But the reason that we were even given grace was because we were lost sons and daughters. And so we had an intrinsic value, right? That intrinsic value is a key to the gospel. Because if we don't see people with intrinsic value, we'll never want to go and share with them. Right? We'll never want to go and be the one that, that takes the time and the energy and the effort and the chance of rejection to tell them, hey, there's somebody that loves you and that wants to be in relationship with you. There's somebody that has a plan for your life. And if you'll just say yes to him, he, he's, if you'll just say yes, he's got something for you, a gift that you could never receive through your own ability. And Jesus comes along and he makes it even harder for us because the, the 613 commands, he comes along to his disciples and he says, oh, Oh, it's, it's worse than that, guys. It's worse than that. Right? He's like, let me you know, come up here on this uh, hilltop. I'm going to give you a little sermon about what the real standard is of righteousness. Right? 
So yeah, the law, you know, Ten Commandments, yeah, don't kill your brother. Yeah, that's right. But if you even hate him, if you even call him a name, then it's like you broke the command. Like if you even think, if you even fantasize about how you're going to, you know, wait till he's not looking and just keep on, you know. Right? I had a brother growing up. How many people had a brother growing up? He just wanted to, you know. He broke, the, he broke one of the Ten Commandments, you know. The disciples are like, oh, what are we going to do now? You know, like we've been trying to obey the Ten and the 600 and, you know, the 603 past the Ten. And yet now you're saying that we can't even think about, like, everybody's guilty. Every single person's guilty. There's no way that we can perform righteously. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what grace is for. It's a relationship where he delivers us from the condemnation of the law. You know, Paul has a whole letter. He talks about it in Romans. But in Galatians, he, he dedicates a whole letter to this issue in the book of Galatians. You know, in chapter 5, 1, he says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. All right, what he's saying there, he's talking about the law. He's not talking about even sin. Like when I used to read that growing up, I always thought he talked about sin, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. He's talking about the law in that passage. He's saying don't be, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery under the law, under performance, under, under the requirement to live out perfect righteousness so that you can get to heaven, so that you can have a relationship with God, so that you can have access behind the veil. He's saying that there's a law that we've been set free from so that we can live in grace and then we find our empowerment when the Holy Spirit, who we did not have access before under performance, but now we have access to under grace, can deliver us from sin, can set us free, can move on our life, can help us to step into those areas of character development that we so desire to see. Amen? All right, so... Speaking about evangelism, I just wanted to lay a little bit of a foundation. What, what I don't want you to do is to get a treasure map, look at it, be terrified, right? I mean, I've been on many, many treasure hunts, many, 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 I don't know, hundreds probably, treasure hunts. And that fear can always be there if you let it. But I found that that fear is there whenever I'm trying to perform versus I'm just trying to love people. So what I want you to get today is we're going to, you know, I'm, we're, we've, got a, we've got a expo right after church, right? So it's kind of a busy day. So I'm, we're all going to go to the expo. We're going to do the booze, get some candy. Kids are going to love it. It'll be great. But then after that, I want you to, you can punch it in your phone. You can write it on the map. But I want you to just to jot down and you can even do that on your phone. We'll, we'll do that here in a minute. I'll just have you punch in some things on your phone. But we'll write some things down. We'll ask the Holy Spirit for some words for people. We'll write those down. But when you go out today, out from this property, and you go, you go off campus, I want you to just pay attention to what the Lord gave you in this service. Because the Lord's going to bring somebody to you, or a couple of people to you, that need a touch from him, and he's specifically going to bring them into your path. And you're going to look down at your little map or at your phone, and you're going to go, oh, they have a red shirt on. That's what I had written down. Oh, I'm, you know, at this coffee shop, and I had coffee shop written down. Huh. 
Maybe that's my treasure. And then you're going to have some things written down that they need, that they need healing from or, or need prayer for. Like, oh, they've got a relationship problem with their mom, right? Like they need some healing in that relationship. And then you're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have a choice in that moment. Am I going to approach this person terrified because I've never done this, but from a place of love, and ask them, hey, I just, I'm on a little treasure hunt, and I think you're on my list. I have a couple things written down, red shirt, coffee shop. Do you happen to have a relational problem with your mom? And the coolest thing happens. They look at you with these eyes that are bulging like this, and they're like, uh. Usually they're, on, usually they're fairly honest. Like, yeah. Sometimes they're not. I was in uh, Lowe's one time, and uh, this guy I had, I had, like, Lowe's, and I had, like, the aisle he was in, and then I had, like, the thing he was wearing, and then I had, like, back pain, right? And I was like, hey, I'm doing this treasure hunt, and I got this, 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 and the guy's with his girlfriend, you know? And uh, he's, he's like this, you know, good old boy, flannel shirt, you know, like some buffalo flannel, you know? And, you know, beard, big beard, and I was like, oh, this guy's going to be receptive, you know? He's a country guy, you know? He's like, oh, no, it's not me. No, no. And I was like, well, I got, you know, this and that and that and that. And anyways, he's like, no, 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 no back pain, you know. And his girlfriend, she, you know, betrays him, throws him under the bus. You know, she's like, what are you talking about? You were just complaining about your back hurting. That's totally you. Oh, you should have seen him. He just wanted to run as fast as he could off of that. People are more scared of you, anyways, when you approach them about something. They're like, who is this kook, you know. But then when you have something that they're like, oh, okay, maybe this is something. So don't be afraid. But whenever we go out and share, we want to do it from a place not of performance, right, but a place of we're just going out and we're making this a lifestyle. Like we're making this something that we're just aware of our surroundings and we're aware of what the Holy Spirit's doing in us and through us. We want to pay attention to what he's doing. I mean, I, I love going on ministry trips because they kind of amp up the requirement to do this. Uh, you know, we were just in Africa, uh, Phil and Jade and I, about six weeks ago. And, you know, Phil's like pulling all the, all the words of knowledge out of me, you know, like every day. He's like, Nate, Nate, you got something for that person? You know, I'm like, oh, oh, oh you know, like, let me, oh, let me get in the zone, Phil. Let me, let me okay, Holy Spirit, what do you, you know. But... It's, it's, a great, it's a great activation and practice just to get your mind in that place. And, and a lot of times the Lord will speak to us about what he wants to do in someone's life. But because we're not listening, we just, we just kind of cast it off as a, you know, random thought, right? And it'll be the smallest little thing. And if you'll, if you'll be faithful to share it, then the Lord will touch that person and then he'll give you more. And that's what I found, like... Like one of, the, one of the exercises I used to practice doing to get it started, to get the flow going, is I would start talking to somebody that I had a word for them before I had a word for them, right? And you should try that sometime. It is scary, but it is so fun because in that moment, the Lord will give you something. It's like, thank you, Jesus. So we were, um, we were in a meeting. We sat down with a group in uh, South Africa, and... We had like, I don't know, a dozen or 13 people in the meeting. I don't know if Jade's even here. Jade, she, she left. She abandoned me. 
All right, she's over in the Ignite. Okay. Well, anyways, we had like 13, 14 people in there, and we spent three hours, three hours prophesying over them. Three hours, right? It was a long meeting. And, you know, when you prophesy for that long, like, you're like, what am I going to say next? You know, because it's a lot of words, you know. So, anyways, Phil, you know, Phil, he's like, you want to start on this one, Nate? And I'm like, oh, he was, give me a second, you know. Like, Let me get back in the zone again, you know. I just gave a word like two minutes ago, you know. But that's how, that's how the Holy Spirit works. If you will begin to step out and that little inch, then he'll use it and he'll give you more because he's faithful when we steward things, right? He's faithful when we take that little step, just that little nudge out there, and he'll meet us there in that place of risk. He'll meet us there in that place where we took a step of faith, amen? All right, so briefly here, I want to share just a couple things about the treasure map so you know what the heck it is. How many of you guys have been on a treasure hunt before? We got, yeah, so, you know, like half, third of you, half of you. All right, so I got a couple tips here I want to share. Um, first of all, one of the things I like to do, uh, the ability to hear the Holy Spirit is usually the first big hurdle that happens whenever we're filling out a treasure map. And, and noobs, I call them noobs, treasure hunt noobs, when they're filling the map out, they want the Lord to give them like, you know, a hundred details. And, you know, it's like our analytical side of our brain is like, I need all this stuff, and then I need 99 of those for that person for me to approach them. You know, that's not how it works. The Lord's going to give you, like, striped shirt, and you're just going to write it down. But it's just going to be literally the first thing that, that comes to your mind. So what I like to do, just to get my, my head in the right space, is I'll say, Holy Spirit, what, what are the, you know, descriptions that you want me to find of a person today that you want me to minister to? Just, just give me some descriptions. And then I bind any other voice from speaking, right? Because we have authority to do that. Just bind any other voice from speaking. And then I'll just write down the next four or five things that come to my mind. And this is exactly how I get prophetic words, right? And just ask the Lord, what's something that you want to say to this person? What's something that you love about them? What's something that you want to do in their life? What's something in this season that, that you're breaking in their life? What's something in this season that you're, that you're wanting to bring victory in their life? Just, you know, some questions for the Holy Spirit. And then I just write down the first couple things that come to mind. I just, um, I just met with a business owner uh, a couple days ago. And I'd given him a prophetic word over the phone, I don't know, six weeks ago. And, and he was like, Nate. He was so excited. You know, he was like, Nate. He's like, you gave me this word, and it was literally the next week it was fulfilled. Like, literally the next week. And, you know, and I remember giving that word because I was like, is this like even from the Lord? Right? But I shared it because I knew that in that space where I had asked the Holy Spirit to speak, that he was going to be faithful. Right? And, and the word I gave him was exactly what he needed to, to help him make it a business decision. Right? Like, in that moment, he was like, okay. Like, that was, like, it gave him so much comfort. He would have been extremely discouraged had he not had a word from the Lord that that was going to happen. Right? You see what I'm saying? And so the Lord, the Lord is faithful in the little things. So the ability to hear um, is the first kind of big challenge. Once you get over that, um, it's pretty much just fill out your list. And then when you're going out and about and looking, 
Um, I like to go to, I, I use the location category. If you guys have your maps, you can look at them. There's some tips on one side. The other side is the blanks. And there'll be five different categories. The location category is uh, critical. All right, so there's two categories that, well, there's three categories that I really want to encourage you to get some information down. One is location, and it doesn't have to be super specific. It can be. Uh, you know, it could be like Walmart, or it could be something as simple as like a grocery store, like generic, right? It doesn't have to be super, super specific. It could be side of the road, right? It could be a park. Um, we, we had one, uh, I was with Elijah Nix. Elijah, and I think I had Michael, my son Michael, with me one time. And we had park, homeless guy, and then um, I think I had, like, relational problems or drugs or something. I can't remember. Anyway, we get there, and there's literally two people in the park. One of them was the guy that had just became homeless, and the other guy was the guy that had relational problems, right? So we're like, hey, fair game. They're in the park, right? So don't get, like, so narrow-focused. That it has to be like back left corner of, you know, aisle 13 and Lowe's next to the, you know, the PVC pipe, right? Like, you don't have to be that. Just, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know what? I've got to run to a, like, sometimes I'll even do this. I know that I'm going to be going somewhere, and I'll just put the location down. I'll be like, Lord, you got me, right? <laughs> going to Lowe's, right? Or I'm, i got to run to Walmart and grab something. And I'll just put it down. And then the next one is descriptives, like what the person looks like or what they're wearing. Because if you don't get those and you get there and then you see somebody, like, like you'll see like a guy on crutches, you know, in Walmart. And you're like, no, no, it can't be him. You know, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and he's going right on through because you're nervous, right? If you have a descriptive and it's like guy on crutches, you know, you're going to be like, dang it, that's the one. You know, well, that's not really convenient for me right now, and, you know, I'm in a hurry, but, you know, and my map says it. So it's just a little, it's a little prompting tool to get you to actually reach out. And, and to be honest, I, the first, so I started treasure hunting in, like, 2011, I think it was. We had, we had, like, wanted to go out and do something, and we found Kevin Dedman's book, The Ultimate Treasure Hunt. And we read it, and we're like, oh, we're going to do this, you know. And we had, a, um, we had a, uh, a small group where we were practicing hearing from the Lord and sharing prophetic words. So, like, we had, like, that portion of it. We had down pretty decent, but we hadn't actually gone out outside of the church, you know. So it was, like, our first experience. Well, first two treasure hunts I went on, which I think I was, maybe I was with you on one of them, Christy, but I was by myself on the other one. I had my map, and I, I remember pulling up to the park. And I saw my guy. I was like, there he is. Met my location, description, and I was terrified. And I just drove right off. <laughs> like, it's okay to fail, right? right? We're not performing for the Lord, right? It's an invitation into stewardship. And so he's wanting to give us more. So anyways, the first two treasure hunts, I chickened out quite a bit. But the third one, I got third time's the charm. I got it the third time. And it was so fun after that because I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is real. I can do this. All right. So those descriptors are really critical. And then the third category, I would really encourage you to write a couple things down is what they need prayer for. Because what happens is you find your person, you go to the location, you find the descriptors, you get in front of them, and then you're like, uh. And a lot of times if you don't have something written down, you'll be like, I'm on a treasure hunt. And do you need prayer for something? And they're like, uh, No. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, 
bless you, you know, or can I pray for you? And they're like, uh. But if you're like, hey, I've got these. What I do is I, I show them my list, and I'm like, hey, I've got like five things written down right here. And are any, do any of these apply to you? Do you, and, and sometimes I'll read my list, and like every single one of them will be that person. I mean, I had a lady, I think I had seven things. And she's like, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. And I was like, really? Like, like you know, like my whole treasure map is like this one person. Sure enough. She had all these different physical issues. And it was so cool because I had, like, it gave me boldness, right? So I'm like, okay, I heard the Lord. So now I'm going to pray in faith because, you know, we, we, had, we had a teaching on word of knowledge and the gifts, right, a few, I don't know, five weeks ago or something. And word of knowledge is something that the Lord is highlighting because he wants to do something. So whenever we have a map and we see what the Lord wants to do and then we find the person he wants to do it, do it to, Right? It's kind of easy to pray in faith at that point, right? It's not like you're seeing somebody, you know, limping, and you're like, hey, can I pray for your leg, which that's good. But when you got it written on a map, and you're like, I'm going to go to Walmart and find somebody limping, and you find them, you're like, you know the Lord's doing something, right? It's powerful. All right, so it's 12.03. So we're going to wrap it up. Yep. Sorry, sermon. Okay. Didn't get to you, but that's fine. All right. So we're going to pray. So we got the expo over here. Uh, before we leave, I actually, so who has read the Ultimate Treasure Hunt book by Kevin Dedman? He's the guy the Holy Spirit gave the idea to to do treasure hunts and then turn it into like a, a uh, map, essentially. Um, but we actually, if you can, if you can uh, tune up that video, uh, we actually reached out to Kevin, and Kevin decided to give us a little word. Um, Kevin's from uh, Bethel and Reading, but he decided to give us a little word uh, for enc of encouragement as we go out today to do treasure hunting. Kevin, are you there? Kevin? Hello, everybody. Kevin Hi. Dudman here. Hey, I understand you guys are going to be going out on a treasure hunt today, and I just want to encourage you that, you know, the world is in a lot of chaos right now. There's a lot of hopelessness. People are so discouraged. And I can't think of a better time for God to intervene than right now. I believe God's plan for the world right now is a revivalution. I believe God is getting us ready to go out into the harvest because the fields are, are white. They're ready to be harvested. And I believe God's called each and every one of us and equipped each and every one of us, has empowered each and every one of us to go and make a difference. And I want to encourage you this week, in this next month, to go ahead and take some risk. Go ahead and, and release what God has given you to somebody else. My motto in these days is each one or each one. I believe Jesus sent us out to change the world, and you guys are going to change the world through signs and wonders and miracles, through compassion and empathy with people who are struggling and in so need of a savior. We have the greatest gift ever to give to people. And I want to encourage you that not only is God sending you out, but he is going to be with you in this process. And I can't wait to hear of all the testimonies of the divine encounters that God has given you to bring about this revivolution in these times in which God so wants to touch the world. God bless you all. And I look forward to hearing from you. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. All right, let's pray. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask for uh, just the opportunities today as we go out. Uh, even even uh, some of these maps that we fill out, 
Um, it might be a day or two until we find that treasure. They'll just pop up and we'll be like, oh yeah, that was on my map. Um, so Lord, we ask that as you um, just give us words of knowledge that you would meet us um, in that moment with that person and that you would bring salvation, deliverance, healing, and that you'd make, uh, just, just, in, just give, them, give them the uh, will and the desire to connect with the body of Christ, um, to find a church home, even in this church, um, to make disciples. And so we, we ask that you would um, just bring the revelation, the power, the, um, just the, the tenacity, the endurance, the faith, everything that we need to step out um, and make disciples in Jesus' name. Uh, we ask for a revivolution. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. He's always got these cool words. Revivolution. Uh, Lord, we ask for um, just revival. You know, revival starts with us, and then it spreads to others, and we ask that, that, Lord, you would put a fire in us, that you would put a fire in us for our city, that you'd put a fire in us for this nation, um, that this nation would be um, transformed, turned around, redeemed, and all the chaos that we see going on in, in politics and all the chaos we see going on in, in, uh, in our nation and and the immorality we see rising up, and the division we see, and the, the tension, and, and uh, just the work of the enemy, that, that, Lord, that you would bring revival to this nation, uh, and that you would do it in a grassroots way, that you would um, just raise up brothers and sisters in the Lord, and, and just believers, and um, that you would just do it across the body of Christ, that a Jesus movement would break out um, in our day, um, in this time, in this hour, um, because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day um, that the church is called to go out and share the good news of Jesus. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So Community Center, which is right over here. We've got the expo. Um, encourage you to check that out. And then we're going to be going out doing a little treasure hunting. Uh, if you end up having a cool story.